Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Louise, and I am the founder and CEO of Empowerment Through Thought. And I want to let you know that if you are looking for someone to help you maybe think through some of the challenges you're facing with toxic people, or if you are looking uh, to diversify your toolkit for how to advance on your healing journey, one of the least tapped into resources for this kind of work is philosophy. Now I have a PhD in philosophy. I am not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. That doctor is in the field of philosophy. Specifically, I studied philosophy of mind and Buddhist philosophy. And today I am the only philosophical counselor in the world who supports specifically the survivors of narcissistic abuse. Now philosophy has so much to offer survivors and we often get a little distracted by the wonderful tools of psychology in the survivor space. So if you are looking uh, for some diversity in your approaches, if you are looking for someone to help you think through, help you leverage your natural analytic thinking abilities to further your healing journey, I really encourage you to reach out. You can hit me up at drlouise at empowermentthroughthought.com on email, or you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm just at empowermentthroughthought. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about leaning in to the forbidden. <laughs> okay, it's October. It's spooky season. This sounds a little spooky. Um, and may maybe it is. It depends. Depends. But what I want to talk about here is um, for most of us who were dealing with toxic people, you know, whether they were your parents, your siblings, uh, a partner, like whatever your particular thing, if it was a boss, you know, whoever you're dealing with, you probably had some kinds of things that were forbidden, some sorts of behaviors that you were punished for if you engaged in some sorts of activities that the toxic person said, nope, you're not allowed to do that. What I want to talk about in this episode <clears throat> is how uh, you can heal simply through identifying those forbidden activities and leaning really hard into them. <clears throat> so what does this look like? Well, it's going to be different for each of us on the survivor journey. There's no one way or one set of things that we can do here to guarantee that we're finding that forbidden fruit. But my guess is if you reflect on um, some of the things that you used to get really frustrated by when you were dealing with toxic people or some of the things you're currently frustrated by dealing with them, right? And you think about, okay, what, what was I doing when they would get really worked up? What was I doing then? I think as survivors, we kind of, we, even when we're not actively with the toxic person, even when we've set those boundaries, we're years out, uh, we still can feel kind of nervous about doing those things that used to really agitate the toxic person. Now, there are some ways we agitate toxic people that we probably just like don't want to replicate. Like, for example, um, if there is something that today is really triggering for you, right? Like if you're in a place on your healing journey where like the idea of doing something that might have pissed off the toxic person in your past is overwhelming and scary, uh, this you might not want to go for that thing, right? You need to be mindful of your mental health in this process. You need to be mindful of these things. But 
If you are feeling able and ready, I want you to think about especially the activities that the toxic person forbid you from doing. Now, if you were if you were a kid um, with a toxic parent or maybe a toxic sibling, this might be something kind of, you know, it might be something that kids like to do, right? Like maybe your toxic parent was very aggressively like anti-theme park. This was true for my partner. Um, his his toxic mother did not approve of um, getting very interested or spending very much time in amusement parks or in theme parks like Disneyland. And, you know, I, I'm a big Disneyland person. That wasn't in my family. It was it was normal to go to Disneyland. We lived in Southern California and there has been so much healing power for my partner in the fact that today we do theme parks. We do. I mean, we specifically do Disney because most theme parks are wildly fat phobic. Um, so they will not accommodate people of my size. So we do Disney because Disney is not fat phobic in this way. Maybe in other ways, but not in this way. So we do that stuff really hard. And, you know, my partner, when he was a kid, he wanted to do that. He wanted to go to Magic Mountain. He wanted to, to go to all the amusement parks. And he wanted to do all that tourist stuff. And he wanted to be silly and play with Mickey Mouse. And he was literally not allowed to do that. Like, it was socially impermissible. In, in his circumstance, um, his toxic parent was very concerned about appearances, very concerned about how she appeared to her friend group, to, to her social circumstance. And in the social environment that she was in, these things were devalued, right? It was, it was, um, you know, just kids stuff, or it was just foolishness to, to go to a theme park. And because of that, she enforced this rule with her kids, right? That we're not really going to do that. Now, my, my partner turns out did go uh, once or twice to the parks, to the theme parks um, for various reasons, but he wanted so much more. He wanted to experience that stuff and he wasn't, it, it was forbidden. That was the forbidden stuff for him, right? So as an adult, especially, you know, getting in a relationship with me, who's like a huge Disney parks person, I've been to every Disney theme park around the world. I am totally into it. Um, you know, it's, it's not the only thing I'm into, but it is a, you know, if you look at my house, if you, if I invited you into my house and you looked around, you'd be immediately able to tell that this person is like deeply into Disney stuff, right? It's not subtle. And that really gave my partner permission to go ham, to really lean into the theme parks, to really learn to enjoy them and feel okay in that space and reclaim something that he was denied when he was a kid right? Now, what I'm proposing to you here, maybe maybe it wasn't theme parks. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was something more simple. Maybe it was like having ice cream after dinner every single night of the week. Or maybe it was going to a concert. Or maybe it was like listening to death metal, right? Whatever it is, what was that thing, you know, early in your relationship with a toxic person or, you know, maybe, you know, in your like middle school, teenage years, um, if your parents were the toxic people in your life, what was the thing that your toxic people stigmatized aggressively and basically made it a rule that you can't do that here? I want you to think about that. I want you to identify what that thing is. And then I want you to consider what would it be like if I did that a lot? What if I, you know, if, if it was death metal, what if I like 
listen to death metal. Like I only allowed myself to listen to death metal for like a week. How would I feel? Would it feel like you were doing something naughty? Would it feel like you were breaking some kind of rule? Would that feel exciting or would it feel scary? Right. I want you to play around, play around with that. Notice in your body, how does it feel? Do you clench up at the thought because you're like, no, like someone's going to get mad at me. Or does it, does it feel like you've released the doves and they are flying out of your chest? Okay. I don't know if that metaphor worked or not. Um, I'm not very good at those kind of things, but okay. You get the idea, right? Does it feel liberating? Does it feel exciting? If there is something that was once forbidden to you, um, by virtue of toxic people, I really want you to play around with the idea that maybe you should do that thing like a lot, do it a lot. Right. And one of my, one of my friends, um, like kind of like a family friend, um, I've never like talked to her in depth, but I get the impression that she had a toxic husband in the past or at least a toxic relationship. And she was sharing how, um, this man demanded that she always ironed his clothes. Um, and I, I think it was not her habit to iron clothes. Like this was an unusual request and he would like freak out if she did not iron his clothes. And so today she never irons clothes, right? She has completely rebelled. She has embraced the forbidden fruit. And now, you know, she, she's going to the grave saying, I am never ironing another piece of clothing. Right. So you can also be like not doing an action. Was, was your toxic mother a complete jerk about brushing your teeth? Okay. Like we know it's like not great if you never brush your teeth. Okay. So like probably we don't want to go like full fledged, never do that. But what if you didn't do it the way that your mom forced you to do it? Right. What, what's a way you could approach that and find a way that felt liberating to you? Maybe she insisted that you do it right before you go to bed. And maybe here now, when you are free from this person, you're going to do it in the middle of the day, right? Or you're going to do it right after dinner instead of right before bed, right? What are things you can do that can really kind of prove to yourself that you are no longer under the control of these toxic people, that you actually have maximum freedom? Think about what could you do? And think about which of them calls you, right? Maybe the toothbrush thing doesn't call you. Maybe you just kind of adapted it, right? But maybe instead what really calls you is, you know, leaning into playing Monopoly. I had a huge problem with board games with my toxic mother. Um, I'm not, I'm not completely healed from this one. I have a weird relationship now with, with board games, but as a child, I really wanted to play board games. I really wanted to. And like, you know, there aren't a lot of board games you can kind of play by yourself. This was before um, computers were so ubiquitous, right? Like you, yeah, you could play Monopoly on the computer, but it's not exactly the same, right? It was a little bulky. I wanted to play it in a social setting. And I really, for some reason in my kid mind, I really wanted to do this with my mom. And she would just constantly blow me off. She'd say she'd do it. And then we didn't do it. And whoo, this was a problem in my life, guys. There's a lot of tension around board games. And by the time I was like a middle schooler, I was like, I'm never playing a board game again. <laughs> like I just like had sworn off them because I was so sick of the drama. I was so sick of the hype and then the letdown and the hype and the letdown. Um, so I just kind of swore off them. I didn't really play them very much. And so for me, I haven't done this, but there might be an opportunity there for me to lean into that forbidden fruit. What if I challenge myself? Like I'm going to play a board game 
um, like with my partner every, every night of the week for one week. Right. And just try to see like, does that feel liberating to me or does that feel gross? If it feels like I might be reclaiming something, if it feels like it might help me feel more free from the toxic person. Now, keep in mind, I have been no contact with my mother for 13 years at this point. Okay. So like you would think I'd be totally free after that much time, but it's not true, right? Freedom is not necessarily about time. Freedom is not necessarily about distance. Freedom is a feeling we have. And I know today I'm a little bit less than fully free because I have a weird feeling around board games that was a direct product of my mother's uh, mental issues, right? So I want to, to invite you to do that kind of that kind of challenge, right? I want you to think about it. Now, we're going to take a moment and hear from our sponsor. When we come back, I'm going to talk about um, an entire like subject area that was forbidden in my life uh, that I have been leaning really hard into lately. And I want to talk about how that's been a really liberating experience for me. So this is going to be another example. This is going to be a little bit more brainy example if, if you're looking for that sort of thing. And um, I can't I can't wait to share it with you. So let's hear that sponsor and we'll come back. Okay, so as you may know, if you are a long-term listener, um, if this is your first episode, welcome. Happy to have you here. Um, my toxic father was um, what I like to call like an intellectual narcissist. So he was a very smart man. He had a PhD, um, and he he had a lot of opinions about what was worth learning about and how to learn about it. Now, you would think that might not be the case because, uh, you know, you kind of think that people who have higher degrees or people in like higher education in general kind of value education in general, right? Like they're kind of like learning about stuff is good, right? And I think there were some some ways in which uh, my toxic father believed that. But there were also a lot of rules. There were a lot of rules. Like, it's okay to, like, read a little book about that, but, like, don't really go into it. So, like, for example, my my father, like, never read any fiction. Never read any fiction. Can you imagine a life where you never read fiction? He was like, well, if you're going to read it all, you better read nonfiction because you can never learn everything. So you better keep going. And yet, and yet, with this commitment to fully reading nonfiction, only pursuing facts about the world, he was very resistant to a whole like subject in this space. And that subject is is like the occult, right? That stuff like learning about the paranormal, learning about ghosts. Now, maybe for him, he thought of this just as a kind of fiction. Right. Just total, total nonsense. Right. And so he kind of ruled this out. He was like, that's maybe, maybe that's what he was thinking. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I was really interested in, in stuff about the paranormal. I was interested in the possibility of aliens. I was interested in, in learning about ghosts. I was interested in ghost stories. And some of that was kind of okay for him because, you know, he was really into history and, um, he was an archaeologist, so, you know, he, archaeologists think about ghosts, right? At least insofar as they're constantly studying dead people and dead things. And, you know, my, interestingly, my father actually, um, at a time, there was a time in his life, he was, he was more interested in this stuff. Um, at one point, he knew how to read tarot, and he had a really, um, 
like scary experience for him where he was reading tarot uh, for some students at a field school he was running, he was in, or he was helping to run. Um, he was in this uh, mission, right? So a California mission. Um, and it was one of the missions that are um, very remote. This particular one is on a military base. So it's um, like very remote, right? It's hard to get to. And this was this field school that uh, he actually ended up meeting my mother at. Um, so <laughs> fun fact, but he was reading tarot in this environment with one of his friends who knew how to read tarot also. And they were getting um, very negative readings. You know, everybody's going to die, like very negative readings. And he was under the impression it was more negative than it could have been. So he stopped reading tarot after that. He was very like nervous about all of those things, but he really put up these like strong barriers. So like, we don't want to learn too much about that. We don't want to know too much about that. And I'm going to say this was like very inconsistent. And for me as a kid, I was really sensitive to things like hypocrisy. I was really sensitive to inconsistencies because on the one hand, it seemed like my toxic father believed in some spooky stuff there. <laughs> some spooky was happening with those tarot cards. There was also like an oral tradition in my family that my, both my father and my grandfather had what are called prophetic dreams which is where you like, you dream about something that's going to happen in the future and then it takes place. Um, I don't know if that's real. I never talked to my grandfather about it. This was completely a report from my father, but like, okay. Like according to my own toxic father, he had real life experiences of things that we would ordinarily call paranormal. And yet there was a strong stigma in my house to explore these topics. And I wanted to explore them. I wanted to learn about them, right? It was it was one of those forbidden fruit, right? Like there are better things to learn about. There are better ways to use your time, Louise. Like you need to go study history or you need to go study. Um, I mean, he mostly wanted me to study history, let's be honest, which let me tell you, history and I, we don't get along super well. I mean, personal history, I'm like here for but, you know, I don't really care about the kings and queens and, you know, whatever military actions helped win the war, lost the war. Like, you know, he was into he was into a lot of parts of history that are extremely boring to me. And uh, that was a source of tension. Let me tell you, that was a source of tension in this household. So through all of that, like I was not good at studying the things he wanted me to study. I was rebellious in a lot of ways. Um, for example, I really studied music. I was super into um, playing instruments as a kid. Since fourth grade, I was playing clarinets. I played a bunch of different instruments. I played oboe. I played saxophone. I played trumpet. I played a bunch of instruments in band. Um, and like, he didn't like that. That was a source of tension. So that was a way for me to rebel a bit. Um, but you know, I never really leaned into this paranormal stuff. There was a phase when I was a kid where I, where I did it a little bit, but I could feel the tension. I could feel like I was doing something I kind of wasn't supposed to do. Like I wanted to talk to him about what I was learning about and it was weird, right? It was always weird. <laughs> and I got the message. I got the message that like, this is not the thing to talk about. This is not the thing to study. This is not the thing to think about. Um, you need to put that away. You need to not do that. You need to move on. And over the years, I just got more and more amplified because, I mean, while that started with my toxic father, it, of course, in society, it's not seen as like a super cool, awesome thing to study spooky stuff. 
right? Like it's kind of held with suspicion. I'm going to say today there's more space for studying spooky stuff. Um, but you know, in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands, there's a lot of stigma against believing anything supernatural, believing that, you know, the world is not just made up of physical stuff. And so, you know, between the setup that my father gave me, that's like, don't do that. And then the world kind of saying, don't do that. I really felt like, don't do that. <laughs> I internalized those messages. So here we are, fast forward. I am now a business owner. I am now doing tons of healing work. I am trying to help other people heal. And, um, you know, I, I work in a space that is, is called healing. I'm a, I'm a healer. I, like, I don't really identify with that word very strongly, but that is one way to understand the kind of stuff that I do. And when you go online and you start looking at the healing space, you find a lot of interesting things. You find stuff about paranormal stuff. You find spiritual things. You find things like energy healing. You find things that like, I don't know if they're supernatural or not. I don't know, but they're not going to fall into, you know, the typical kind of rational categories that might be associated with Western medicine and this sort of stuff. So I, I'm in a new space. I'm in a new world. And as part of that, I have officially given myself permission to learn as much as I want about the paranormal. So I've, I've, I've read some weird books. I'm learning about some new age things. I don't know exactly what I believe, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I haven't learned enough about this stuff. I think today I believe uh, more in the possibility of ghosts than I have ever believed in the past. I think I am more open to, um, more things about the paranormal. I'm pretty positive that there are aliens by virtue of like the Pentagon confirming that there are aliens. And let me, secret, here's a secret thing. Most philosophers before even the government um, said anything about aliens, most philosophers thought that there were aliens. Um, it's kind of like a, a rational place you land on when you think hard enough about how big the universe is. Um, but anyways, <laughs> not the point. I've just completely recklessly given myself permission to play in this space. And maybe my beliefs are going to change. Maybe I'm going to come out spookier than ever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but what I can tell you is there's liberation in me studying this stuff. I know that's kind of weird to say, but I'm very nerdy, right? I'm just like a nerd. I have a PhD. Like I like studying. I like learning. It makes me happy. Um, I love doing super concrete stuff that like, how can I help people day to day? And I love doing more abstract kooky stuff, right? I like, I like all of it. And it's been so refreshing to be able to, you know, go and learn about whatever paranormal thing caught my eye that day and go over to my partner who's very, uh, I'm not going to say he believes any of this stuff, but he's very open. He, he lets me talk to him. He takes it seriously. He does not get upset. He does not shame me for spending my time in these ways. He just welcomes that this is what I'm into and he cares about it because I care about it. Right. And oh my goodness, <laughs> I feel a lot better. I didn't know that I was feeling so weird. I had no idea that like having a topic that I was interested in be one of the forbidden things in my life. I didn't realize that was bothering me so much. 
But now that, you know, I've spent a couple months here where I've just kind of recklessly given myself permission. If something about the paranormal catches my eyes interesting that day, I just go and I learn about it. Um, Right. I obviously still am doing my job. (laughs) Like I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm doing my healing work. But this is one of the things that's it's giving me joy. Right. It's making me feel excited. It's making me feel like, oh, there's cool things about the world that maybe I don't know about. And I really needed that. I really needed to connect with the fun of learning. I needed to connect with the fun of imagining how different the world might be than I originally thought. And more important than anything, it's made me feel a lot more free from the toxic family that I grew up with. I feel like I'm doing things that they wouldn't approve of and it feels good. It feels exciting. (laughs) I feel like I'm finally doing something in the learning space that's 100% for me. And maybe it's silly and maybe I'm wasting my time and maybe I'm actually reading fiction when I think I'm reading nonfiction. I'm open to all of that. It is making me feel good. It is advancing my healing journey. So I'm doing it. I'm going for it. It's enjoyable. I will stop if it stops being enjoyable. But for now, this is one way that I am leaning into the forbidden. And I'm going to tell you, I think that everyone should try this. You don't need to learn about the paranormal if you're not into it. Um, But you should try finding what is that thing that really irks you that the toxic people said, don't do that. What is that thing? And find a way to pursue it. Find a way to lean into it. Find a way to explore that. Be mindful of your mental health. Be mindful of how you're doing. Don't push yourself. You might not be ready at this exact moment on your journey to go all in on this, and that's okay. But as soon as you feel like there's going to be liberation, there's going to be freedom in leaning into the forbidden, I really want to encourage you to try it. Do a little test. Try it out for a week. See how it feels. Check in with your body. Check in with your spirit. And I think you will find fun healing, fun (laughs) healing. We talk a lot about serious healing here, hard healing, all that stuff's important, but we also get to have some fun here. And I think the forbidden stuff is where we're going to find it. So I hope that you found this helpful. Thank you so much for listening today. And I'm going to catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.